At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Vision Crypto. Enjoy today's show. Hi, welcome back to Credo and Real Vision Exploring DeFi. My name is Ben Whitby, and today I have Sydney from Maple Finance, who's the uh, founder or co-founder, Sydney. A co-founder. So co-founder. I've got a, uh, I've got a, another co-founder, Joe, based in, uh, based in Australia at the moment. Amazing. Soon to be joining us in Miami. Cool. Amazing. Now, Maple is a super cool platform um, that's really kind of taking DeFi to the next level. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Credentialize yourself. Tell us why you got into DeFi, how you managed to kind of have this vision. Um, where did it come from? Credentialize yourself. It, it, it just, interesting word. I, uh, I do like it, though. But uh, I came from, uh, came from a banking and finance background. So I used to work in what you call TradFi. I was doing debt capital markets. So I was helping non-bank lending companies to borrow money so that they could give out loans to their customers. So I was working very much in, in securitization and debt capital markets and corporate bonds. Uh, I then went to work from cl- uh, from deal side to client side because I was always more interested in working with the kind of the entrepreneurial uh, companies that we had as clients and was very impressed by that. And I always wanted to learn how to run a company myself. And so I went client side. I was managing treasury at a fintech that was doing commercial lending. And this involved dealing with trustees, lawyers, banks. Um, And so I kind of got to see end-to-end how companies and corporations borrow. And then around the same time, I started learning about smart contracts. And I was very fascinated by the idea that you could have have effectively self-executing or self-managing debt. And I was interested by the possibilities there. So I was actually never that into crypto before that. And then that sort of sent me you know, sent me um, down the rabbit hole, so to speak, and, and into the space. And so that was mid-2018. And then after that, um, my co-founder, Joe, and I started researching smart contracts 28, 20, early 2019. So when DeFi was very, very nascent, and there were about five DeFi projects around the world, uh, we started writing a white paper. We found a, a software dev firm that helped us make a proof of concept. But we, it went, you know, there wasn't a lot of traction. There wasn't a lot of notice um, being or attention being given to the space. And it wasn't until sort of mid-2020 when DeFi Summer took off that we were able to to get more attention and then, you know, fundraise and go full-time on this. You guys came to this very differently from a lot of the other DeFi founders that have come kind of tech first and then kind of trying to figure out what traditional finance is and how they can kind of work it together. You've come at it from a business-first position. And a market need, right? Exactly. We got into crypto because we were trying to solve a problem that we faced, which was how do you get money to corporates who need to borrow to grow their business? So we are really seeking uh, seeking to serve growing and innovative companies who are in need of capital but can't get it from uh, traditional lenders. And this is probably contrast with a lot of people in this space who already held crypto and then were looking for a way to put that to use or, or a way to you know, create a project um, to work on. 
uh, in the space. Whereas we we felt that capital markets could be done better. And I personally, like I study history a lot, and I felt like capital markets are needed to push capital to the private sector. And really, it is the private sector that is responsible for a lot of growth, job creation, and uh, that. I would say to, in in today's um, in today's corporate space, you see a lot of preponderance of VC capital, and really there's this kind of chasm between uh, raising capital from VCs, which is you know a form of, of equity or other other growth capital, and then growing large enough to borrow from this. And I think that there's this middle market space that is the opportunity set we hope to serve. Uh, so the way that Maple works is we call ourselves an on-chain capital market. And the way that you can think about it is we are effectively like Shopify in that we're trying to provide out-of-the-box tooling to run a lending or fixed income asset management business. And it leverages the advantages, native advantages of using the blockchain. So we're not trying to stuff blockchain into a use case here. It is simply easier to aggregate capital and to program the distribution and use of money using the blockchain than it is going through traditional, uh, you know, traditional um, technology like the Swiss system, where you're effectively just renting 40 and 50 year old pipes from banks to serve borrowers. DeFi traditionally has been over collateralized. You guys mm. under collateralize. You're the only people that I know yeah. that under collateralize in the space. It's pretty cool. There Talk me through it. So over collateralization was a very natural start point for DeFi lending. And the reason for that is that operationally, it's much easier if you can lend money to borrowers, but you don't actually have to assess their credit risk. Uh, and you're able to do that because there was no liquidity in the space. So the earliest use cases of crypto borrowing was a borrower puts down $150 worth of collateral, and then they, they take out a loan worth $100 in some different kind of crypto asset. So put down $150 of Bitcoin, get back $100 of stablecoin. That was very easy to scale, but I think what you find is that it hits a plateau because it can't grow faster than the overall growth of the, the market cap of the system, right? Like if you're constrained by the value of collateral that you can put down, well, that actually limits the rate at which most companies can borrow. And particularly, you very rarely see corporate treasuries putting down $150 to go and borrow $100 to invest in either hiring more people or developing new systems or serving new customers. And so we felt that if we wanted to serve corporate borrowers, they needed to have a product that was under collateralized. And we've seen that the lenders who have chosen to do this are the ones that have kept up the rate of growth, whereas those who chose to stay with over collateralized have sort of seen volumes relatively stagnant over the last, you know, six to 12 months. Um, we, you know, we have found, uh, we've found that we can serve uh, crypto market makers, market neutral funds as an initial wedge. And the opportunity set there was created by the fact that these companies are quite profitable, but because they're trading in crypto, they are falling outside the risk mandates of most banks or traditional lenders. So this has given us an, a, a useful place to start. And for us, it's, it's a good proposition for under collateralized lending because these borrowers are not taking on the risk that crypto goes up or down. They're actually generally trading volatility. So the choppier the market, the more profitable they are, but they're never exposed to the risk of Bitcoin going up or Bitcoin going down. They should be printing money generally day in, day out because the service they provide is not, uh, it's not kind of alpha on where crypto prices are going. It's general liquidity on exchanges. Yeah, fascinating. Really, really cool. So it's the capital markets, right? 
it's a capital markets framework. You market's two-sided. You've not only got to have positions and people coming to the market, providing liquidity and providing loans, you've got to have people wanting to kind of offer them, right? Yeah. So rather than us being a lender using our own balance sheet, Maple is very much more infrastructure. So we want to be cap. We want to be agnostic to who is lending or borrowing in the capital market, but we just want to facilitate the venue. So as I said, it's kind of in the same way that Shopify works. They provided tooling to run an e-commerce business. We're providing tooling to run a lending business. So one way of looking at it is that our key clients are actually your kind of lending businesses. So these could be CFI lenders like Celsius, like Genesis, like BlockFi. These could be more Web2 uh, or rather traditional uh, financiers who start to come into the Web3 space. You know, it could be like a Fortress Group or potentially a PIMCO or a more traditional banking institution who comes up the curve on the technology. But they, they would be our kind of core customer. And then they have both lenders who they bring capital in from and lend out, and then borrowers who are generally going to be corporates and institutions who want to access capital and decide that this is a pretty good venue to do it. So I think that's kind of the way we work. So we're, you can, again, you can kind of think of us as like infrastructure and it would be similar, I guess another similar concept would be like Alibaba's Taobao. So they're not providing the inventory themselves, but they provide the venue. Um, so we felt that this would be the most scalable way to operate because I don't want to have to hire you know, another dozen credit analysts for us to double volume. Instead, I would rather us just bring on a partnership with somebody who's already very good at the credit underwriting and brings relationships and deal flow themselves. What we provide that's quite different is the framework that Maple offers is effectively scalable. So if you're at um, if you're in traditional finance, it might not be economic to run a debt fund or a lending business unless you can get to at least 200 million in capital. Um, and up to that level, you're generally having to raise equity to then lend out. And so it's quite a capital intensive business. Whereas what you can do with Maple is that the operational cost of running this platform is so low that you can actually still be cash flow positive at 10, $20 million pool and run it with a very light operational footprint. So what we're doing is we're kind of pushing back on the idea of too big to fail banking and lending institutions and creating a level playing field where the best underwriting team from say JP Morgan or from Fortress Group could spin out, start their own business or pool on Maple. And that just looks like setting up a pool and then they can begin lending out um, pretty well straight away. So it's that turnkey solution we're offering. Hey, if you like this clip, be sure to check out the full interview and more only on realvision.com forward slash crypto. It's 100% free. Sign up now.